Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Usually at this time, Bo Matthews is introducing the episode. But before we get to that, I wanted to thank you for your support. This episode is the 50th episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. That's 50 episodes with 50 great leaders that we have right here in our community in St. Louis. We have had thousands of people across the country listen to our episodes, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in each week to hear these great leaders. I hope you will continue to support us by sharing our episodes on social media and listening each week as we continue to interview your STL leaders. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Thank you, Bo Matthews. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This week, we have Don Imholz on the show. He was CIO at Centene Corp, as well as CIO of Boeing Defense. We'll dive into his career and the lessons he learned along the way. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want. The right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Don Imholz. Don Imholz, welcome to the STLators podcast. I appreciate you coming on today. Glad to be here. So for those who are listening, Don is my father-in-law. I'm lucky enough to have married his daughter uh, about two, about, well, about a year ago I married her, but been with her for a little over two years now. And um, Don, you've had an incredible career over your time. And so I wanted to, to bring you on the show today just to kind of talk about that. Um, and so let's kind of start in the beginning talking about, you know, where you grew up and then what your career path that led you to Boeing was. Yeah, so I grew up not too far from here in St. Louis County. And uh, for the St. Louis listeners, uh, always the question is what high school? So it was Normandy High School. So I have to get that in and uh, grew up in a very modest home with my brother and uh, fortunately two loving parents and uh, went through Normandy school, uh, actually uh, Lutheran uh, grade school and then elementary, uh, elementary school and then Normandy High School. And I was lucky enough uh, really to live close to UMSL. 
And uh, at the time I graduated from high school, uh, clearly all I could afford, and I was going to put myself through college was UMSL. So University of Missouri, St. Louis was my school of choice. Uh, at the same time, I signed up, uh, took a test on the advice of my guidance counselor to be a co-op at McDonnell Douglas. And of course, years later, uh, McDonnell Douglas uh, merged with uh, Boeing. So that's how I ended up uh, there um, and uh, was fortunate uh, in both uh, cases to ver live very close to those things and never regretted uh, making those choices. Absolutely. Well, I know you were at Boeing quite a while. So talk to me about your time at Boeing, the roles you had and how, what your career path looked like there. Yeah, so I started uh, timing wise, I was very fortunate to get interested uh, as a co-op and chosen to go into their information technology organization, which I knew nothing about at the time, but I took all the coursework I could at University of Missouri, St. Louis and got right into that and ended up planning to spend. I had a couple of different offers from McDonnell Douglas, uh, uh, fortunate, but I really planned as a large company just to spend two or three years there and uh, hopefully get my master's degree uh, paid for um, by McDonnell Douglas, which uh, I ended up getting two master's degrees <laughs> paid for by them, uh, one in technology and one uh, executive MBA years down the line. But plan really just stay there for the training for a few years and move on. And I ended up staying uh, 33 uh, years. Wow. I worked in all facets of information technology, which, of course, was just a terrific um, choice uh, to the extent I made one. I, I more, more or less fell into it. And uh, I was also outside of IT six or seven different times as I moved around the organization, uh, being asked to move in different roles, promoted, obviously, several times. And uh, my last position there before I retired, um, I led all application development across the company and was also uh, head of IT, chief, chief information officer for Boeing Defense. So I took, uh, you know, great pride in, in working for that company for so long. Absolutely. Well, and the obvious question is 33 years. How did technology change over those 33 years? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And I mean, technology just continues to advance. When I started, uh, we were uh, in school, we were using punch cards. Uh, we went to tape, we went to various things. We moved from batch processing to online. Uh, we installed some very simple, uh, dumb terminals uh, in the 1970s, uh, moved on to client-server computing, I mean, all facets. And of course, the, the big change in the early 1990s was the, the introduction of the internet. Um, and so, yeah, lots of advancements over that time. Personal computers came along. I was at the forefront of that, chosen to lead the company into uh, introducing those into the workforce. Um, so again, the technology advancements are just just incredible over the span of my career. Sure, absolutely. I would have to imagine they would be. So when you look back at your career at Boeing, 33 years, what would you say was your favorite part about work, working for Boeing? I can remember you telling me a story about 9-11. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know why, but that story just uh, sits in my head about, you know, you, you sitting in your office and the runways in, at Lambert Airport just being completely empty. 
um, when usually you could see planes coming and going at every minute. So if you look back on that 33 career, what, you know, what story like that, or maybe it is that story, would you, would it sticks out the most in your head? Yeah, that's a, that's certainly one that does stick out. Everybody, obviously, of that generation remembers that day and where they were. And I was in my office, uh, fifth floor corner office overlooking the airport. And uh, my wife called and said, hey, um, you're not going to believe this. At the time, I did not have a TV in my office. I walked up to my boss's office who had one, and, and we watched uh, succeeding events together for a while. Uh, I got a TV in my office the next day. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those three days looking out um, uh, at the airport and, you know, for the for a little bit of time that morning having planes land and park, but nothing take off uh, was a bit surreal. And yeah. uh, I took, again, I, the, the, it was such a great company working with great people. Uh, I took great pride in working on programs that were important to the national defense. Uh, but that, that certainly that, that time frame certainly hit home. And, and we, we anticipated then that the world would change. Um, and it did. Um, and of course, um, Boeing McDonnell Douglas uh, was certainly at the forefront uh, of, uh, of this nation's defense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, I can remember right where I was at. I was actually at Bell Reef uh, Country Club. There was a PGA uh, Championship, Senior PGA Championship going on there, or I don't remember exactly it what it was. It was BMW. I'd gone there the evening before that. I'd gone out to Bell Reef, and Tiger Woods had put on a demonstration for a few hundred people and uh, anticipated being out there a couple of times that week. And of course, that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I was uh, sitting in the stands, and I don't remember which green I was on. And and that all happened, and they came over the PA and said everybody needs to basically evacuate. We're shutting the tournament tournament down, and it was just a very very surreal moment. Um, yeah. So we all remember that day for sure. Yeah. Talk to me about your leadership style. I know uh, you know we're talking about Boeing now, but we'll get into Centene here in a minute. But if you look at your career and your leadership style, how did you? I mean, you had to lead some you know large number of people, obviously. So uh, how did you how did you manage those people, and how did you lead them? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I learned, I was lucky enough to learn leadership, McDowell, Douglas, and Boeing through looking and working far and with some great people um, and some excellent training programs, I might add. Um, you know, most organizations, I think, are overmanaged and underled. And you get to a certain size organization, it's clear you can't, you don't even know everyone. You, you don't even know maybe all your management team. And I when I uh, left Boeing, I had an organization of some 5,000 people. Um, I knew certainly my direct reports well, their direct reports, some of the next level, but most of the organization I didn't know. Um, so leadership you know, is about uh, providing a vision, communicating that vision, uh, providing the purpose of why uh, things are important and then trusting people. And I learned from the leaders I worked with the importance certainly of, of uh, being credible, having integrity, uh, of trusting other people, being open. And I think those characteristics uh, stead me, you know, put me in, in, a, in good company. I was able to effectively, uh, I hope, lead the organization to where we needed to go. Yeah, well, 
I have I met several people who either a worked for you or worked with you at Boeing and everybody has given you great reviews and great, uh, great praise. So you must've done something right in your career there. Well, it was a team effort and it was a great company with great people. And uh, you're only as good as the people you're surrounded by. Bye. Absolutely. Absolutely true. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. So you retire from Boeing in that, what, what year was that? Uh, that was uh, early in 2008. So you retired from Boeing in 08, uh, and your plan was to just be retired, correct? Well, my plan was to be retired, uh, play more golf, and uh, do some consulting. Um, I was lucky enough to, you know, be in a position uh, that um, I didn't have to, you know, make the same amount of money. Boeing has a good pension plan. So my plan was to uh, hang a shingle out, as they say, uh, consult part-time. Uh, I wanted, uh, needed to stay in the area because of obviously family reasons and because this is home uh, for us. Uh, I knew every, um, just about every uh, head of IT in the area. Uh, I certainly didn't want one's position. And candidly, I thought my background was mostly manufacturing and aerospace there's not a lot of aerospace in the area besides uh, Boeing. Um, there's not that much manufacturing in the area. So I thought my choices would be limited, but I thought I could succeed um, doing some part-time consulting. So the, how did the Centene um, partnership come to be? And, you know, I, I believe from, from my knowledge is they, you know, hired you for some consulting and then uh, from there, how did it go? Yeah, actually, they called uh, with, within oh, 30, 40 days. Um, I was actually getting off the plane in, in Los Angeles in February of 2008 uh, for con some consulting that I had lined up. And the phone rang and it was Centene and uh, they wanted to talk to me about being chief information officer. I said, I don't want to work full time anymore. Uh, we talked back and forth for several months uh, until they finally said, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, take some consulting time. Um, and it was a great fit. I mean, I started consulting there in the summer of 08. And um, by September or so, I was a, a full-time employee there. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I can remember not even knowing Centene. Um, and then now if you're from St. Louis, you see Centene all over the place. Yeah. Um, the company has grown rapidly. So I, you know, how did it grow so fast? I mean, I know obviously it was some acquisitions, but what was the biggest challenge with the, with that growth, you know, with, with that amount of growth that happens fairly quickly, that had to be a challenge, not only from an IT perspective, but from a company culture perspective, how did, how did you guys all navigate that being on the executive team? Yeah, it was, uh, it was exciting times. I used to describe it as riding on the back of a tiger. Uh, it's great unless you fall off. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, during my tenure there, when I started there, we were about a $2 billion company. Uh, when I left uh, seven years later, uh, we were about a $22 billion company. So 7X in, in seven years. Uh, roughly a CAGR compound annual growth rate of over 30%. So, 
you know, at that kind of growth rate, uh, first of all, you have to have a model um, that empowers people. So um, we prided ourselves on a, on a decentralized, uh, distributed uh, business model. Uh, we set up, we, we grew mostly by winning additional uh, states. Um, so we were, uh, primary business is Centene at the time and still is Medicaid uh, plans, uh, insurance gotcha. for the most economically and socially depressed segment of our society. And uh, we, we could see, uh, again, fortuitous time in 2008 when I got there, uh, if you recall, the, the economy was in a state of depression. And um, uh, some would say uh, recession, some would say depression, but it was not a good economy. Yeah. And um, we essentially doubled down that time frame. Uh, one of my first um, uh, senior management meetings was about strategy for 2019. And after a lot of debate, we decided to invest. And that really led to uh, hard economic times, put more people on unemployment, put more people on Medicaid. And because of that, states and revenues in states go down. So states were facing uh, real economic challenges and they turned to managed care to outsource essentially their Medicaid programs and Centene was the beneficiary of that. So that's why we grew. To answer your question more directly in terms of the challenges, um, finding talent uh, and, and retaining talent in that time frame was, was the, 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 perhaps the largest challenge. The second behind that was continually improving and changing processes. What works at $3 billion company doesn't work at a 10 billion, what works at 10 doesn't work at 20 and so forth. So you have to keep improving systems and processes and keep people aligned. Uh, organization, when I started the organization in IT was only a couple hundred people. I could get everybody in a, in a larger room. I could certainly get the management team uh, we were very agile, very nimble in making the kinds of decisions we needed to make. Um, when it gets to 1,000, 1,500, uh, it's a different subject. So again, you have to change yeah. those processes as time goes on. And those can be challenging. But again, I had the good fortune of having worked at Boeing, a very large organization. So I was one of the people on the senior team that had worked for larger uh, companies and, and, and kind of had a pretty good idea of what needed to be done and when uh, as we grew. Absolutely. Well, you know, if anybody watched the news uh, here lately, there's obviously been some cybersecurity issues going on in our country. Was that always a challenge for you guys? And how did you manage keeping, you know, that cyber threat down? And are, I mean, realistically, how does any company manage that? Yeah, it's, it, it really is a challenging world. Again, it, Working at McDonald's, Douglas and Boeing was a good background because we were obviously a target uh, as one of the top two, three defense contractors for state-sponsored um, uh, cyber um, intrusions and such. So I had a lot of background in that area. Uh, when I got to um, Centene, I was um, very pleased with the leadership team that I had, except we were missing a person. We didn't have a chief information security officer. So uh, one of the few people I hired as a direct report in my tenure there was a very seasoned and terrific chief information officer. Um, but we were, uh, the board was very interested in, in cybersecurity. And, you know, in contrast to my earlier times in senior positions in my career where 
Um, you'd have a little bit of time on information security. Uh, when I left, it was probably the one area I spent more time on, uh, and it's and it's a bit sad because it's purely a risk-based yeah. uh, prevention kind of thing, prevent, detect, uh, and go through the the kind of framework. But you're spending, you're not necessarily adding value to the organization, but it's just so critical today uh, that you have a defense in depth. Uh, strategy, you have endpoint protection, you have server protection, you have uh, tools that help uh, uh, thwart email attacks and network pinging. And I, there's there's uh, dozens of different tools and lots of people required, uh, and you got to get the basics right. So yeah. um, we spent a lot of time and fortunately did not have any serious issues. But um, again, the world has certainly changed in that regard. And every company is a target these days. Yeah, I would, and I would have to imagine, you know, maybe smaller companies aren't as big of a target as some of the larger companies. But I, I've had I've had clients um, that have got hit by it that are a smaller organization with some ransomware attack. And, you know, we had just had a, the largest meat packing company just get hit with ransomware. And we had the oil industry a couple of weeks ago get hit with ransomware. So, it's absolutely something everybody needs to be aware of and and um, and take you know the right measures for. But I, I'd have to imagine as a as a Boeing or as a Centene Corp, um, they would be big targets. Oh yeah, no no question. And even you know I tell people even small houses have valuables in them. So if you leave the doors unlocked, you're going to get um, you're going to have an issue. Um, they're going to find you. So yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you this: When you look back at your career. Um, both Boeing and Centene, what was probably the biggest lesson you learned over your career? Yeah, it, it really is. I think the, if you look at lessons, it's certainly the importance of having good leadership. Uh, there's just no substitute. A few critical people can, um, can, can make a, a huge difference. And, you know, having um, been lucky enough to lead some fairly large and complex organizations I always tried to be a model, the kinds of behaviors I wanted to see in, in other leaders. Uh, I wanted to be open. I wanted to com communicate a compelling uh, vision. Uh, I used, I coined something as far as a bunch of P's that, you know, I wanted to make sure that the organization knew what the purpose was, what the purpose of the business was uh, in terms of uh, Boeing, it was uh, obviously uh, national defense in terms of my part of business overall was to be an aerospace leader. And Centene, it was to serve um, uh, economically distressed um, uh, and provide better health outcomes at lower costs. But then purpose of different projects and make sure people understand the why of things. And then second P was to work with principles to make sure that people understood our value. Uh, and if we got those two right, if we got the purpose right, we got the principles right, uh, then we can move on to the, the, what I thought were three ingredients to success, were people, processes, and partnerships. So invest in people, make sure they're adequately trained, make sure you've got the right people in the right spots, uh, and continue to improve those processes, and then work with other people inside and outside the organization, foster partnerships. And if you do those things well and you have, uh, the, if you trust people, um, you can accomplish things. You give, I always thought we needed stretch goals. Um, you, there's a saying, you only get the level um, of performance you expect. Not sure that's entirely right um, because my experience is, well, in the short term, if you set stretch goals, 
you don't always hit them. In the long term, you far exceed what you ever dreamed was possible. So it was really those lessons around leadership that I take uh, to heart the most in my career. Absolutely. No, I think those are very valuable lessons and um, good, good advice for anybody listening to this episode. Don, I always end this podcast by asking my guests really for a piece of advice. It's really, I ask everybody at the end of this, the show to, to give a piece of advice to the, the people listening today, whether that's life in general or whether that's leadership or business. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to people listening to this show? Yeah, it's hard to get it down to just one thing. And so in no particular order, um, I think you have to work at being as a good person first, but also a good, uh, good employee, if you will. And I say that in the, in the sense of the word that you want to contribute to the organization. You have to understand the organization. I think the second thing is you never stop learning. One of the advantages of IT, I'm a curious person by nature, there's always something to learn. Uh, information technology, as we touched on with the earlier question, is always changing. And so I was always learning. I went back to school a couple of times and, and continue to read a lot. And, and so never stop learning. Uh, if you, My theory has always been that organizations and people, there is no status quo. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Yeah. And if you're not learning, you're getting worse uh, and other people are getting. And then I think the third thing is um, balance things. Put your family uh, first, uh, marry well, um, have supportive uh, family environment and take your work seriously, but not too seriously. And last, I think, um, make sure you enjoy the journey. Um, time goes by in an awful big hurry. Uh, be patient. Um, things do, don't always happen as quickly as you would like in, in life and in your career and such. I never really had a plan. I never had a particular ambition. Uh, things happen, but um, with almost without exception, I woke up every day um, during my career at Boeing and McDonnell Douglas Boeing and, and then Centene anxious to get to work. Um, so I was extremely blessed to work with people, uh, great people, respect the leaders I had and enjoy the work that I was doing. No, I think those are all good pieces of advice. And I, I would agree with all of those, but the one that stuck out to me was to continue to learn. A lot of people I have on this, on this podcast, leaders of all shapes and sizes from our community, um, we always talk about that is do you, you got to continue to educate yourself on, on your job, your role, what your why is, why you do yeah. what you do, leadership, if you want to be in leadership, you, you know, and you got to continue to educate yourself, whether that's through audiobook or books yeah. or podcast or, you know, speaking engagements, things along those lines, um, you know, to, you got to push yourself to continue to learn those lessons. Yeah, an old uh, dean, at, a friend of mine at Washington University, Chris State, uh, coined the phrase early on that I kind of took to heart. It says education needs to be, should not be a phase of life. It should be a way of life. Yeah. And I think that's right. Too many people come out of school and say, well, that's done. I've read my last textbook. <laughs> I've, uh, I've taken my last test. Uh, the reality is in the corporate world, you're tested every day. Absolutely. And if you're not preparing yourself for those tests, um, um, in various fields of study, um, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Don, on behalf of the STLers podcast and myself, I appreciate you coming on here today and talking about your career and giving some lessons for us to learn. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I hope things continue to go well for you.